Our scripture lesson for today is from Luke's gospel, the 17th chapter, verses 11 through 19. This is a gospel reading, so I would invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Luke 17, beginning with verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Our theme verse for this month of June, and it comes from our Bible school material, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. And June has been Vacation Bible School Month here at Noonan First United Methodist Church. And to emphasize the importance of this vital ministry, we decided in worship, in connect, contemporary worship, and in traditional worship, to use the themes or the topics from the four days of Bible school to be our worship topics or themes for this month. And the title of Bible school this year was Tomorrow's and Beyond. And on that second Sunday, June the 2nd, our topic was Go Beyond with Faith, Daniel and the Lion's Den story. And then our youth choir returned from their adventure in Florida from their tour, and there was a homecoming concert. And then we picked back up two weeks ago, Go Beyond with Boldness, and that's from the book of Esther. And then last week, it was Go Beyond with Kindness, the story of the Good Samaritan. And today, Go Beyond with Thankfulness, the familiar story of the 10 lepers. We've talked a lot about going beyond, about exceeding expectations. We've referred frequently to that Old Testament story in Genesis chapter 24, where Rebecca comes out to meet the servant of Abraham, and she is the one who is going to become the wife of Isaac. And she comes out and offers water not only to the servant, which was expected, but she went beyond expectation and brought enough water for 10 thirsty camels. She really, really went beyond expectation. And now for the last launch of this series, so to speak, we're going beyond with thankfulness. Let's just think about thankfulness for a while and about the expressions we use and how we, how we make that known in our lives. Two little words, thank and you, combined to make one of the most common phrases, I think, in our language even today. Maybe we don't encounter them as often as we did a few years back, but people still express gratitude, use those words frequently. I know most of, of you do. And maybe not those exact two words, but some version of it, like I appreciate that or... I owe you one, or my grandparents had an expression that I don't hear much anymore. They would always say much obliged, which is, I think, was a way of saying thank you. 
I'm in your debt now. Thank you. Sometimes we say these things. We express gratitude in a true spirit of appreciation. But sometimes it's a rote kind of thing, a mechanical kind of thing. Some folks in some businesses, they are expected to say that to customers, and they do so. But sometimes not a lot of heart or a lot of feeling. But then we run across those occasional people who really make you glad that you showed up at their place. They're really grateful, and they seem to be able to convey that in a way that that makes our day, that makes a difference. We can use the expression in a non-sincere fashion, sometimes as an expression of contempt, sometimes as a way of pointing a finger of blame at someone else. Those times when somebody volunteered us for a job we didn't want any part of, or those times when somebody backed into our new vehicle, or those times when we're a victim of a double cross and we say, thanks a million, I really appreciate that, but we don't really mean it because we're not grateful, we're really sort of upset. But we use the expression. And the fact that we use the expression, thank you so often in a variety of ways, doesn't necessarily mean that we're always thankful people. I think it's lost some of its value and some of its meaning, even though not true for everybody, of course. In the scripture lesson, ten guys are healed. Only one comes back to give thanks. And did you catch the connection between this story and the one last week? The guy, the hero in last week's story was a Samaritan, an outsider, a foreigner, so to speak. And in this story, out of the ten, the only one that comes back is the Samaritan, the foreigner, the only one who cared enough to say thank you. And there's a connection there. There are places in Scripture where we're told Jesus had to go through Samaria. We didn't have to. He could have gone around. He could have taken the bypass. But he had to go through there because he loved these folks too. And he often expressed love for the unlovely in his day. So the the Samaritan came back and he gave thanks. So what's that? One out of ten? That's about a 90% ingratitude rate. And I don't know if that formula still holes or not. I think it's better than that with most folks that that I see and run into every day, but maybe not on a widespread basis. So some questions to think about for just a few moments in our, our time together. What does it mean to be thankful? How do we show thankfulness and gratitude in this day? And thirdly, what are some of the things we have to be thankful for in our lives? And this, I know, sounds like a sermon you might hear on the Sunday before Thanksgiving Day, but we're thinking about going beyond with thankfulness. And what does it take us beyond? What are we going beyond? And uh, we'll get to that in a moment. To be thankful, to show appreciation, to show gratitude seems simple enough. But one problem we have is that we sometimes confuse thankfulness with other attitudes and other actions in our life. One of these attitudes is one that's often been called self-righteousness. Some people would say the holier-than-thou attitude, the more pious-than-your-neighbor kind of attitude. Jesus told a, a story, a parable, Luke 18. It begins with verse 9. And it's about the two folks who went down to the temple to pray and Um, It goes like this. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood up and prayed with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. I give tithes of all I get. I fast twice a week. (laughs) 
the gratitude is not really gratitude, is it? Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Is that really gratitude? Or is that bragging and boasting and a sense of self-righteousness? That's what's going on here. He claims to be thanking God for God's blessings, but actually he's standing up in front of the congregation to extol his own virtues. And that's not gratitude, and we have to be so careful about that. Self-righteousness, that holier-than-thou kind of attitude. It's easy to do when we trust ourselves more than we trust God at times and we, when we become braggadocious about it and we just need to be careful. That's not gratitude. It's something else. Another attitude that can be confused sometimes with gratitude is selfishness. And I have to admit that sometimes we pastors have contributed to this. We say things like, well, God's been so good to us and we better be grateful, almost like if we're not, then it's going to get taken away from us. So as a sense of selfishness kicks in, you better be grateful if you don't want to lose what you got. And so I'm not sure that's valid either. True thankfulness, I believe, could be expressed by the simple prayer, Lord, thank you for the ability and the opportunity to be in service to others. And then we start to get back toward gratitude. Another problem is that sometimes we offer gratitude only when everything is going our way. When Mr. Bluebird's on our shoulder and everything is just like we want it to be. But only when we learn to express gratitude when the chips are down and when the sun is behind the clouds and the darkness is there and the thunder rolls can we sincerely express it when the sun breaks through again. And we talked about that. We spent a Sunday on that topic last November in our gratitude series. Folks who can give gratitude in the dark circumstances, the harsh circumstances can give gratitude in any circumstance. And we don't give thanks for the hard time. We don't give thanks for the brokenness, but we give thanks within that and in spite of it. There's a good chance, I think, that the one leper who came back to Jesus and said, thank you, Lord, was probably able to express gratitude in his life before he was healed while he still had this affliction. And it was just a natural thing for him to do to come back and thank the one who was responsible. We as Christian folk learn to give thanks for the cross, for the pain and the suffering it stands for. And then we are able to give thanks for the empty tomb, the stone that's been rolled away and the new life that's been offered in Jesus the Christ. Thankfulness sometimes increases with absence. In other words, when we have to do without something for a while, then we become really thankful for that person or for that, that aspect of our life. I think about that post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. John's Gospel, the 21st chapter, one of those amazing stories. Several of the disciples are out in a boat fishing. They'd gone back to fishing because they figured, what else can we do? He's gone and our hope is gone. And Christ appeared on the shore, called out and asked him if they'd caught any fish. And he said, no. And he said, put the net down on the right side of the boat. And so they did. And it was so full of fish, they could barely drag the net in or pull it in. They couldn't move it. And John, who in that moment recognized Jesus, said to Peter, it's the Lord. It is the Christ. And immediately Peter dressed and jumped in the sea and swam to shore. I don't want to get too far off track, but it's always kind of tickled me a little bit about this story. Why Peter put his clothes back on to jump in the ocean. It just seems a little bit backwards, but um, this is Peter. 
And that explains a lot, maybe. Christ had been crucified, dead and buried. He had been absent from his disciples and he was present once again. And can you imagine the gratitude that must have flooded their hearts? They were thankful in ways they had never experienced before. Death sometimes can have that effect and the hope of resurrection. What is thankfulness? An attitude that focuses on what God has done for us, not on how good we are in our own strength. An attitude that rejoices with an opportunity to share with others. We express our gratitude. That's so much of the reason why we give as God's people to the church and to others who are need needy of our gifts. Sometimes, and I don't want to go too far off with this, but sometimes I hear folks who don't give because they're not happy with everything. And I remember we took a vow. We would support the church with prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And we give out a gratitude for what God has done for us. And things won't always break our way. But gratitude is more important. An attitude that thrives in the present fades if we leave it in the past and it just slips away if we say, I'm going to hold that for the future. I'll be grateful again someday. An attitude that when we get too busy for gratitude, then simply too busy, too preoccupied, too distracted. And then the question, how do we show our thankfulness? One answer is to be described in the scripture passage. The guy who came back, came back, praising God with a loud voice and giving thanks because he had been healed and he had his life back and he could socialize and be with other human beings again. The lepers were outcast. You've heard all the stories about how they had to hang back, how they had to maybe ring a bell, how they had to stay away from polite society. He had all that back again. We show our thankfulness with our praise to God. It's that simple. Now, I know different Christian folks express praise in different ways. Psalm 150, the last psalm in the Psalter, is pretty straightforward, and it ends that beautiful book of Psalms with praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise God in God's mighty firmament, praise God for God's mighty deeds, praise God according to God's exceeding greatness. And then goes into all the instruments that are to be used. Trumpets and lutes and harps and timbrel and yes, it says we are to dance, praising God. Even though there are some Christian folk who don't go along with that, but that's okay. Praise God with sounding cymbals, praise God with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. The psalmist begins by telling us where God is to be praised, where we are to offer our thanksgiving to God. Praise God in his sanctuary. And I know we say, well, in one sense, the whole world is God's sanctuary. And there's scriptural evidence for that. Frank Bullard says, God reveals God's self to us and gives us God's grace not only by altars and tables, but as we journey upon the busy highway or beside the still waters. We're to offer praise in shop or office field or forest crowded marketplace or vast open spaces. And all of this is true. But I think the truth also is we don't often do that. 
we, we forget unless we have a specified time and place. A young man once asked Calvin Coolidge, can I worship God in the wide open spaces in the green meadows? And the president said, you can, but you don't. And, and we've all heard the stories about folks who can worship just as well at the beach or in the mountains or on the golf course. I've seen more folks lose their religion on the golf course than I have. Uh, <laughs> praising God, that's usually not the direction that goes. <laughs> we can praise God anywhere, certainly, but do we? Are we thankful? Do we remember that? And I think there need to be set times and places and spaces, sacred spaces, for us to worship God. Places where that's the primary purpose of the building of this beautiful sanctuary, that we have those places, and then we come and we remember and Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.55 or 11 o'clock is more than just an old habit. It's a meaningful, important part of a thankful people. We are to praise God for and how we are to praise God, the psalmist tells us. It was such an integral part of early Hebrew worship. It's always been a part of our worship. Is worship a, a priority with us? Do we come here prayerfully? Do we come here expectantly or do we come here as spectators thinking that this is a stage and this is an audience and it's all happening up here and nothing could be further from the truth? We are all the audience. We worship God. And that's why we're here. And we've got a part to play. And we need to be involved with our heads and our hearts and all that we have when we come to this place. We come here to sing praise. We come here to say, thank you, Lord. There's an old spiritual, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you brought me from a mighty, a mighty long way. But our worship falls short if it fails to issue in service to our brothers and sisters next door and around the world, if we just come here to be filled up and to be fed and then to go our way, we're missing out on so much. Our worship should issue in service and service is a form of worship. We call it a worship service for a reason. We say thank you, Lord, by the way we take care of others. Are we saying it loud enough or are we saying it with great joy? And then the last question, what do we have to be thankful for in our lives? And it may seem like a foolish question or maybe it's a question that ought to be reserved for that Sunday before Thanksgiving every year and just forget about it any other time. But that's not true. It's not a foolish question. It's a year-round kind of questions. And the, one of the things, the thing that I always move sort of to the top of that list is that we are thankful for each other. Whether that each otherness is in our families or in our places of work or in our places of worship, and spend a lot of time, I won't, but we could, talking about the important significance of family and how grateful we should be for those who are closest to us, for those who overlook our faults and our failures on a consistent basis and love us and care for us anyway. Now, I know not everybody's family is a place where hope and joy and encouragement are found, but I've been blessed in that way, and I, I hope many of you have too. And the family sometimes where we first get a glimpse of what our faith is all about. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, and the family where character is shaped. And character is so critically important. 
where the past is given meaning, where the present is understood and coped with, and where the future is prepared for. Careful not to take families for granted. But at the same time, to remember families don't all come in the same sizes and shapes and configurations. And we need to be gracious toward those whose families don't look just like ours do. And how about those people we work with, those people we spend vast amounts of time with, those folks that we often talk about when they're not around? Sometimes those are the people who share a common plight, a common purpose, a common place in this life with us. And we can be grateful for those co-workers who've picked us up and carried us when we couldn't do it ourselves. And then friends, dear friends, how many stories could we tell? Those folks that are just show up when you need them and go away when you need to be by yourselves and they just seem to know and they stick with you and they're very intentional about building those relationships across the years. I've come to see how important that is. And then how about our particular congregation? Do we often express gratitude for one another? I know sometimes we get flustered with one another and sometimes we don't always agree with one another, but do we give thanks to God for the love and the support and the encouragement we find here knowing that whatever comes our way, there are a group of folks willing to pick us up and carry us or at least walk with us until we come to a brighter place and a better place. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, his courage and his willingness to serve even in the face of danger and death. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it's a sheer miracle of the grace of God every time Christian folks are allowed to gather for worship. And how often we forget that. And how I need to be reminded of that. So many other things to be thankful for. The church, opportunities to serve, acts of kindness, those places and circumstances where we felt God's presence. And since the Holy Spirit leading us and speaking to us and opening our hearts and our minds to see some things in, in different and in new ways. There's one thing, though, the basis of all our hope, all our joy, all our encouragement as Christian people. And that is the gift of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. For his incarnation, we should be eternally and consistently grateful. For the word become flesh to live among us full of grace and truth. To think that the almighty God of heaven and earth would live among us, would put on skin and come and show us how we are to care for one another and love one another and make our way in this world. We have a God who was tempted in every way as we are, but who overcame those temptations and who is willing to walk with us when they come our way. For Jesus' earthly life and ministry, for his teachings, we should always be thankful. We often say in this place the Apostles' Creed, but someone has talked about the great comma in the Apostles' Creed where we sort of skip from born of the Virgin Mary to suffered under Pontius Pilate. And we skip over those years of his life and his teaching and his interaction with other people. And I believe we are saved not only by the death of Jesus, but by his life and by his ministry and by his teachings. And so we we're grateful that someone showed us the way. Someone cared enough to put other folks before sometimes too many rules and, and regulations. And he taught with an understanding. That's what was meant, I think, when they said he taught not as the scribes and the Pharisees, but as one who had real authority. It came from within him. It was not just what he had read and learned elsewhere. It's who he was, who he is. Before his death and resurrection, we should always be grateful. He's opened the gate. He's made a way for us. He was crucified that 
we might not have to suffer in that way. He died to conquer death, to break the stranglehold of sin and evil, and there is such a stranglehold in this world today, and we see different pieces and parts of it from time to time. He opened the fountain. He made available the flow that's to wash us whiter than snow, to cleanse us. The stone was rolled away. Christ won an eternal victory. And, and that gratitude for all that should shape and fashion everything we do when we gather in this place. And then he ascended into heaven, but he kept a promise that he would not leave us desolate, and he sent the Holy Spirit to walk beside us, to fill us, to show us the way, to make sure that we are not left here as orphans in this world, but that we have his power and his presence all of our days. How can we ever be thankful enough? Going beyond with thankfulness, let me name just a few things that thankfulness will take us beyond, and then we'll sing. Going beyond with thankfulness, we've talked about going beyond for four or five weeks now. Going beyond what? Well, thankfulness will take us beyond selfishness. And thankfulness will take us beyond fear. And thankfulness will take us beyond hopelessness. And thankfulness will take us beyond cynicism. And you can name some other things, I'm sure. But to get beyond those things, we need to say thank you. Amen.